Hi guys, I'm Rachel. I'm Erin. And this is going to be unsettling. Deeply. With better sound, I think, than last week. Although it really wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. It was a little hollow. Mm-hmm. It was a little um not was, the worst. It wasn't it wasn't as bad as you getting attacked by Tina. Yeah. That, that first episode was probably the worst. So we're getting better. Not saying much, but No. You got anything going on? I like your little ankle bracelet. <laughs> now that it's been saved. <laughs> Thank you. I'm bringing ankle bracelets back. Hey, they never left me. Oh, me, the best way to disguise a cankle is to put a bracelet on it. Is it? Um, I'm not sure. Is it working? We're just bringing back the ankle bracelet in case it. I don't. I, I don't think it left. You're I right. don't. I don't know. I think I'm just bringing it back, back to, to yourself. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never wore them before ever, though. To, to me, Erin <laughs> soulfully patting her heart when she. To me, to me. Oh man! I think it's my first go with them. I like it. You know, my mom loves a good anklet. Mm-hmm. Rarely too. CD in the uh, in the summer without an anklet. Oh, yeah. speaking of summer, we are eventually going to get our tattoos, but we realize that we are um, babes of the Jersey Shore, and we love swimming. And when you Google it, it says that after a tattoo, you can't swim for a month and I'm not willing to sacrifice a month of my swims. And I know I can't trust myself and I would swim and then it would just get infected and ugly and not heal right. So we're going to do it in the fall. Yeah, you don't want to risk it in these waters. Yeah, no, because, you know, depending on where you're swimming at the Jersey Shore, you might be swimming in poo. Yeah. So we're just going to wait. Just a little bit. Just till the fall. Yeah. What do you got for us today? Oh, we are getting abducted today, baby. No. <laughs> That's my ass if you were high. <laughs> the first thing that happened when I came I came here and I was like, all right, cool. I'm in the basement. You know, we're sitting here and then we're Rachel looks settled. at me. We're like talking. She's like, like this. She's like, are you high? <laughs> okay. It wasn't that loud. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to know, because if she wasn't, then she was having a stroke. Mm-hmm. And I just need to know, like, do you need medical attention or are you just not with us right now? I don't care either way. I just need to know who to call. So uh, you might, you might have a, a hard time with this one. I'm not oh. sure. But we're going to talk about Betty and Barney Hill. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah. They were the OGs of the abductions. Mm-hmm. So Betty Barrett was a so- social worker living in Portsmouth, New Hampshire in the 1960s. Betty married Barney Hill, who was a postal worker. Their marriage alone was noteworthy as Barney was black and Betty was white. And this was not common for the time because it's the 60s. Uh, but their interracial marriage was not the reason that they soon became household names. In September of 1961, Betty and Barney had married had been married for about a year and Betty put in for some vacation time, but she really didn't have any plans. She was just taking time off. But much to her surprise, Barney had requested time off from his employer so they could spend the weekend together. 
And because Barney worked overnights at the post office and Betty worked during the day as a social worker, they really didn't see each other. Okay. So this was like a big deal. They decided to take a vacation to Niagara and Montreal and Quebec. So they went over the border mm. back in the day when I think it was easier. Now I don't think it's that easy. Yeah. I felt like, I felt like it was easier. Yeah. You just need a little passport. Good to go. Yeah. Now I think it's a big deal. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't done it. I have heard if you go to Niagara Falls, it's only worth it if you go to the Canada side. Me too. But Katie just went to the New York side. Our cousin. And she said that it was good. It also made her want to go tubing, which yeah. says a lot about her as a person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they decided to take the vacation to Niagara, Montreal, and Quebec. But this is a really... Uh, it, it says something about the times the banks were already closed for the weekend when they decided to take this trip. So the couple would need to make that the, the $70 they had in cash last all weekend. Oh, but they were pretty frugal. Okay. Like it, it wasn't something that they weren't okay, unfamiliar with. Do that. But isn't it like weird to think like there was a time when you just couldn't get your money? Yeah. That's crazy. This is weird. So Betty hmm. worked as a social worker, like I said, and had the responsibility of more than a hundred cases. And Benny was a, I'm sorry. Barney was an overnight postal worker with a long commute. He worked in Boston. So, like I said, they didn't see each other frequently. They were excited to take this trip together. So Betty packed a cooler full of food, clothes, some blankets and their gun in case they had to end up sleeping in the car. Okay. Because like I said, 70 bucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They also had a dachshund named Delcy. Which Very is just a cute, cute. name okay. who they adored and they brought along the trip with them as well. So they didn't have kids. Um, Barney had actually already been married at this point uh, and was divorced. His first marriage didn't work out. He had two kids. But okay. Betty and Barney didn't have kids together. They just had Delcy the dog. Okay. She was, in, she was definitely enough. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. So the trip was exactly what the couple needed. They were feeling refreshed and energized and trying to decide if they wanted to stay an additional day or start the drive home. At this point, they were about four and a half hours from home. And while listening to the radio, they heard a pretty big storm was headed their way. And if they left now, they would be in home. They would be home in time for when the storm hit. If they waited, that would mean they would be driving through the storm. Mm. But leaving now meant that they had to drive through the night, but they were prepared. So they decided, you know what, let's just drive home. They expected to be home around 2.30 in the morning. And they were doing good. They were on schedule. They got to the White Mountains of New Hampshire. And now remember, we're talking about 1961. So cell phones don't exist. Maps are as accurate as you know how to use them. So, yeah, like, my, my van trip, I'm going back now. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. <laughs> van life. The small amount of time where we had to rely solely on our map. Um, Was it that? went okay. Okay. I don't think mine would go okay. <laughs> I'm I'm the type of person that we figured it out. Even if I know where I'm going and I know how to get there, most likely my phone still has the map on. Mm. Just because I like to try and beat the time, it tells me it's going to get there. Yeah, but that's like that. So they're using their map, and streetlights were a luxury, and you didn't find them in the mountains that they were. So it's dark. They're the only people out, and they're driving. So Betty and Barney and Delcy are driving through the mountains when Betty sees a really bright light. And she thought maybe it was like a star or a planet. Uh, Betty and her dad were obsessed with space and followed the launch of the first satellite closely, which had just happened a few years ago. And Betty asked Barney to pull over so she could use the binoculars to get a better look. And because they were on their own timeline, it's not like they had to be home at any time. He's like, sure. 
So they pull over in the middle of the night to look at this bright light. They both got out. They took Delcy out of the car so she could go to the bathroom. And they took turns using the binoculars to look at the sky. At times, it was difficult to catch the star because it seemed to be moving. So they're like, oh, it's a shooting star. Okay. But then they realized it was moving too quick and erratically to be a star. So Barney, he's a very down-to-earth guy. You know, he's, he's a postal worker. You know a postal. Well, you did. You knew a postal worker. I did. Um, Barney said it was probably just an airplane. Don't get so excited. It's just an airplane. But Betty reminded him that they were in the middle of the mountains and really not in a place that planes would need to fly over. Because it's 1960. This house just got very quiet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Buzzed off. Yeah. Big buzzed off. Uh, Then they thought maybe it was the satellite, but they noticed the light growing closer to them. And it was getting closer very quickly. Mm -hmm. So Barney told Betty to get in the car and she hesitantly agreed. And... They, they both just had this weird feeling, and Barney started to drive away. The white light then continued to follow them at a safe distance, but clearly with the intention of following them. So it's not like, remember when you were little and you would look out at the moon in the car and be like, why is the moon following me? Yes. Did, you had that too, right? Yeah. Like, between thinking you were in a music video when it was raining in the backseat of a car. Yeah. And thinking the moon was following you. <laughs> I like. I always know, thought it was in a music video. Always. Um... So this light is following them. Now, again, they're in the mountains, no phones, no GPS, no streetlights, no one else around for miles. And they would slow down to check on the lights. And they were always just close by. Not too close, but, you know, intentionally close. So they continue driving until they reach a field and they're able to get a clear view of the lights that have been following them. It was at this point that Barney realized that it wasn't a plane or a satellite, but a flat disc hovering 100 feet over the ground with lights on it. And completely silent. Barney d- drives closer to the disc and uses the binoculars to get a better view. And what he sees is there's two rows of long windows and flaps that are folding down from the sides of the disc. But most concerning is the sight of the passengers of this craft. Barney said he counted a- at least six human-like figures moving inside the ship. Mm-mm. But their mannerisms and proportions made it very clear they were not human. He said it was very like um, militarist, like walking like a military type way and their head was way too big for their body, but they were also really small. And he's like, they look like they could have been humans, but I know that they're not. I don't like that it was human like. Yeah. I'd rather be something else. Like totally different. (laughs) So Betty's completely stunned and wants to stay because, again, she's like a space freak. But Barney tells her they need to get out of there. So they get in the car, they floor it, they put Delcy back in, of course, and they get out of there. But the ship is now keeping pace with them and hovering directly overhead. And at one point, the ship was hovering over top of them and they reported feeling like a vibration in the car that came with like an audible buzz, which is why it's weird that the house just stopped buzzing. Yeah. Um, (sighs) But it stopped, the buzzing stopped, and they kept driving. And they both seemed to kind of space out, no pun intended, but they attribute it to being really late. They're in shock. So by their time frame, it should have been like three o'clock when they pulled into their driveway. A little later than they expected, but, you know, within the realm. Okay. Um, so when they looked at the clock on the dash, they realized it's 5 a.m., not 3 a.m. Two entire hours are missing, and neither of them have any real recollection as to why. 
So they come home and they both said they had this weird, like they felt compelled to go stare at the moon. They had never felt that way before, but like they wanted to go sit at the window and stare at the moon at five o'clock in the morning. Mm. So Barney just As really people do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Barney said it was a, a weird experience, probably the weirdest he'd ever had, but neither of them felt nervous or scared. Why? <laughs> I don't know, because they're staring at the moon. So they decided to go to bed and continued about their life for a few days. They said they all, they, they felt very calm. They didn't tell anyone really. Um, so they just, you know, they decided not to tell too many people because they didn't want to be labeled as wackos, but they did report it to the Air Force, which is what they were instructed to do at the time, <laughs> which is interesting. You would like back then you would report it to the Air Force like, oh, this thing followed me. Yeah. Like the Air Force will take care of it. Yeah. Yeah. So Betty and Barney return to work and normalcy, but after a few days, Betty starts having trouble sleeping. Barney is an overnight postal worker, like I said, so his sleep is always inconsistent. Yeah. But he is also experiencing weird dreams or nightmares, if you will. Um, the most unsettling thing of all may be how Delcy reacted after the Hill abductions. Not her. Not the pup. She was unsure of her owners but also started coming down with these really weird ailments like weird sicknesses that she's never had before that really don't make any sense mm-hmm. and she was just oh, like just not herself she just like seemed to be traumatized like you know mm-hmm. not the sausage dog yeah a little weena dogs she's having a hard time so Benny and Barney they're living with these nightmares they're not sleeping well so they decided to seek therapy and one thing that they did do before this is they told betty's sister about the occurrence so they told the air force they didn't tell anybody else and then they decided to tell betty's sister because apparently betty's sister had had something similar happen to her and this lady was pretty smart i'll give it to her she said okay maybe you know because they weren't sure if really what had happened had happened to them they thought maybe they just like dreamed it they both had the same dream so his her sister said both of you go into separate rooms and draw me what this ship looked like. It was pretty smart. And they both came out with almost identical drawings. And they never really talked about it after what had happened. Hmm. So it's not like they could have gone back and like... Yeah. Well, at least they said they didn't talk about it. Yeah, I was going to say. So Betty and Barney decided to seek therapy after they talked to her sister. And as their sleeplessness was affecting their daily lives, their therapist suggested hypnotherapy. But he also explained that hypnotherapy is not a quick solution. It'll take time for them to see if it affects them and if they have any improvement at all. Like, there's no guarantee. So their therapist proceeds to do five hypnosis sessions on Betty and Barney separately. And through these sessions, they are able to piece together what happened in the two hours where Betty and Barney have no memory. You ready to get creeped out? Mm. It was through this process that they discovered that the hills didn't just drive away from the craft, but their car spotted, their car actually stopped beneath it. They then both recall being separated into different rooms after being, they said they they felt weightless. Okay. So I would assume that's like the actual abduction piece of it. Um, After they felt weightless, they were separated into different rooms on long silver tables. Barney's tape Barney was too long for his table and his feet hung off. But Betty fit fine, which okay. makes sense. The beings, which were described as short, like five four, 
and gray with large cat-like eyes, small nostrils, but no nose. Ah. Yeah. And wearing human-like space suits. So like she said, it, it, it felt like... It's weird. Like something our astronauts would be wearing. Hmm. Like they're out, their clothes didn't seem outlandish, but they didn't look like they belonged to us. Yeah. Um, they said that creepy. these creatures took nail clippings, hair samples, and skin samples from both of them. Betty and Barney remembered not feeling like they could move, but also not feeling like they were being held down. And a lot of the time their eyes were closed and they were trying intentionally to stay awake. Hmm. So they couldn't move, but they didn't like they didn't feel handcuffs or anything like that. Okay. So uh, Betty then remembered a long six inch needle being shoved into her belly button. And she remembers feeling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She remembers feeling pain and she winced in pain and asked why they were doing this. And the creature claimed it was a pregnancy test. And she thought it was easier way. Yeah. She thought it was odd that if this is a dream, you shouldn't feel anything. So, yeah. Um, and af- as she was wincing in pain and asking what they were doing, the one says it's a pregnancy test, and another one, another one of the creatures waves its hand over Betty's face, and the pain stops, and she is again in this like euphoric, weightless state, which I don't like. They're speaking English. So one, guess, right? Two, one or two of them could speak air quotes English the rest of them didn't um but it wasn't clear English it was kind of choppy okay uh it was in this euphoric state that she remembers some of the creatures moving from Barney's room they came out of Barney's room and saying they had mistakenly removed his teeth and were holding Barney's dentures in their hand and Betty corrected them and said they're removable they're dentures so don't be worried it's just a sign of aging but these creatures have no understanding of aging so they don't they thought they did something wrong barty mentioned in his encounter because again they're doing this hypnosis separately that the creature did open and look inside his mouth and that's possibly when the dentures were removed so betty went on to say that after the exam was done they met with the crew and asked where these creatures were from in relation to the earth's sun and they responded with if you don't know where you are, there's no point in telling you where I am from. But showed Betty a map. And Betty, under hypnosis, was able to recreate this map. And it's a map identical to Zeta Reticuli, which is a double star system about 39 light years away from Earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the Hills had always intended to keep their encounter quiet. And we're just hoping to find some peace from the sleeplessness. But the information somehow leaked and they were quickly accused of lying and gained followers who believed in them, but also people who said that they were just lying. Barney Hill died in 1969, just a few years after the incident from a stroke. Betty lived to be 85 and went to her grave convinced that she was abducted. But. Wow. Hmm. But uh, yeah. That's uh that's that's the hill abduction. I know I've heard it before. The teeth thing threw me off. Yeah. Imagine just like <laughs> accidentally do you think he was like upset? He was like I, I, I fucked up. I got like yeah. how you know he's like I put him back, probably freaking out. Yeah, that's she's like 
I think that's what she was trying to make it seem like. Yeah. He was experiencing like, I wasn't supposed to do this. We're supposed to not leave any trace. Yeah. yeah. Another couple like weird things um, that they had mentioned was like their clothes that they were wearing. His so Barney's shoes were like nice new shoes that he brought on the vacation and all the fronts were scuffed when they got home, but they weren't like that when they left where they were vacationing. Hmm. And he said in one of his hypnotherapy sessions um, that he remembers stubbing his toe on one of the doors on the way in. And Betty's dress had like these weird stains on the hem and on like the bodice, like the stomach of it. And they sent the substance that stained it away for testing. And there's nothing that matches on this planet hmm. to that substance. Like They weren't able to tell what it was. That's or weird. Tie it back to anything. What do you think? I think that they probably maybe were abducted. Yeah. Yeah. Why? I I cuz I just don't I don't believe that we can be the only things in this entire universe. Like I just I that that can't be real. And for them to both have like the same experiences, they were very educated people like Barney's IQ is very high. Um, they were both college graduates. They had very good jobs. They didn't make any money off of this. So it's not like when you have a typical alien abduction and then it's all over the New York Post, like, I was abducted by tall grays. Like, that that's not how they did this. They weren't trying to do that. It was just leaked, and then they had to defend themselves. And it actually got to the point where other people were coming out saying they were abducted, and Betty was like, I don't think that they were abducted because if this many people had been abducted, then there would be no space in the air for airplanes. Like the amount of spaceships that would need to be here to abduct this many people. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I just, I don't see the point, but cause this was like before it was an easy ticket to make money. I don't see the point or the benefit in trying to lie about something like that. Yeah. Maybe it's a little embellished, sure. Um, oh, the Air Force didn't really do much about it, but they did put their case into Project Blue Book. But aside from that, they didn't really... What's Project Blue Book? I'm going to do an episode on it, but it's basically like all of the accounts of UFOs that the Air Force has knowledge of. Um, I think. I didn't look into it too much, but that's my understanding. Okay. But yeah, no, I, I, I think that they probably, I mean, the dog. I know. The dog. Delcy the dachshund. Yeah. What do you think? I feel like they were probably abducted too. I mean, yeah. I just don't see the benefit in lying about something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like now, sure. If they weren't making any money or anything. And they already had, like, so I did read some people try to, like, um... Uh, debunk what they were saying. So there's a couple things. The person that was able to tie back the map that Betty drew to that space, uh, the stars, she said that she may have moved some things around to make it work. So maybe that's not accurate. And then um, the therapist, I think, just playing devil's advocate, was trying to understand what was going on. And they said maybe that this was like a state of not psychosis, but like extreme stress because they were a biracial couple in a time that that's not really something that you see every day. 
They also worked a lot. She had a lot of stress from work, being a social worker, and his sleeping patterns were never normal. So there's reasons that that's spooky. There's reasons that um there was a big noise in this house and we're all by ourselves because Steve and Abby went to go play tennis and now I'm scared. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, so like there's reasons that maybe you could think that they had like an episode, but for both of them to have the same experience, I just think is weird. Yeah. But but you did did you say that they liked space? They had she liked space. He had no interest in space the whole time. And one of the things that the therapist said when he was doing the hypnosis is like Barney was trying. It, it was weird to watch him because he had this like weird dichotomy of he's trying to tell himself this is a dream. This didn't really happen. And then the other part of his conscious would be like, this is not a dream. This actually happened to you. So Barney didn't want to believe that this was real at all because he didn't believe in any of it. Okay. Um Betty would probably be more inclined to believe in it because she did enjoy. She liked space. Yeah. The extraterrestrials and space. Okay. But yeah, that's what I got for you. Love it. Beam me up, daddy. Beam me up. <laughs> but also don't. But don't. <laughs> don't. Please. Don't guy that made that big loud noise in this house when we're all by ourselves in the basement. I want to see an alien really bad, but I also don't. That's why I wore my alien shirt for you. It says, don't talk to strangers. And it's got, it's not a tall gray, though. It's a tall green. I, I don't want to more than I do. Yeah, I don't think I would do well with that. I don't want to go in a spaceship either. Eric would go to Mars in a second. That's like my friend Larissa said that too. I don't want any part of that. Mm -hmm. mm -mm. She's a kid now, so she said she wouldn't go in the rocket anymore, probably. But before she was like just down to just get sent in a rocket. That's so, crazy. I know. I, mm -mm. not nope. okay. Nope. Nope. No, thank you, Elon. No. But yeah, that's, uh, that's what I got for you. Are you unsettled? I am. Yeah. I am. I am high. I was going to say, are you high? <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, you guys have a lovely week. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Stay away from the aliens. Bye.